0: 10 takeaways it's time it's time for top 10 takeaways is a favorite show every week i think so i know so i love doing the show i love sitting out on mondays and looking at the advanced box scores that we have at playerprofiler.com going to twitter see what my friends are saying about players looking at my fantasy teams looking at the, the outcomes of all these all these matchups uh DFS outcomes and seasonal league outcomes. Woo! Oh, it's a lot. It's a lot, and uh, I think it's I think it's time to uh, to to say again that Tony Pollard is everything. That uh, Tony Pollard is the is the reason why I exist. Tony Pollard is the reason why Player Profiler exists. Tony Pollard is everything. There's it's all everything you've ever wanted and wanted to know, wanted to understand about winning fantasy football leagues is embodied in in Tony Pollard. That it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there's another guy in the depth chart, if that guy is slower and not as durable, not as explosive, not as good in the passing game, that eventually the cream will rise. Now it, it didn't happen in 2021. Tony Pollard was not a smashing league winner, as we thought he might be. But did we uh, suffer this fantasy PTSD and say, oh, you know, Tony Pollard burned me. You can't can't tout him this year. Nope. Nope. Right back to it. Right back to it. Because if you've done it in enough years in a row where you've seen players disappoint one year and then they are revealed for who they truly are the following year, then you stay loyal to your convictions, which is which is what Tony Pollard embodies. Loyalty to convictions, loyalty to process, loyalty to the details that we care about at playerprofiler.com. If you're a running back, we want you in an explosive, high octane offense. We want you yourself to be explosive, and we want you to be electric in the passing game. If you are all of those things, then we want you, right? Especially at a seventh, eighth, ninth round ADP especially in that case where it's like, okay, in these rounds, okay, we're assuming we're getting Pollard. And then the questions become, okay, other than Pollard or in addition to Pollard, who, 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 who we drafting, right? Cause I'm looking across all these leagues that I'm in the big dog bash, right? Eh, there's Pollard, right? Smashing, right? Just all these traditional seasonal leagues. I'm not in that many traditional seasonal leagues and the big dog bash isn't even traditional. It's a two QB league. Uh, but, you know, you, you go down the board, the sleeper bowl, it's like, guys, Pollard has everything we want if we want to go out and win a fantasy league. And in DFS, especially, we, we talk about rooting for certain players to be active so that you can play the non-primary back who's actually better, who actually has more upside. The primary back could get injured and then you get this 30-point player at low ownership or... That player is just a lot more efficient with fewer touches and finds a way to score multiple touchdowns, one in the passing game, one in the rushing game, whatever. However he gets there, he gets there. Tony Pollard gets there. And it's just so validating to see him exceeding expectations while Ezekiel Elliott is playing, while he's active. It's another, it's something else, right? If Pollard is producing at, at such a high level with Elliot out, but it's a whole other story with Elliot in, this is this is it's it's just truly special. It's truly special. It's a it's a special moment. You wake up. If you fell asleep during the game like I did, I'm a boomer, right? Falling asleep during the game. You wake up, you 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 look at the performances and you're like, <laughs> you just can't. It's like, my wife's like, what, what are you so happy about? Why are you smiling? And I'm like, it's silly. It's, it's, you wouldn't understand, honey. You wouldn't understand. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, Pollard I, I did it again. Ah! And I, I, I always, I'm wondering when I'm setting my line, it's like, Hey, should I get creative here? Should I maybe not play Pollard? Right, maybe I maybe maybe this is the week that they they turn back to Elliot and they put Pollard back in the bottle. Is this the week? In the back of my head I'm like, am I, you know, am I too all in on Pollard across all these leagues? Should I should I hedge it all? Should I No, what? No. No. And then it happens and then you're you're smiling. You you left smiling. So we have a many takes other than Pollard being everything. That's the first Takeaway, Pollard is everything. And then we also have a summary of all the revenge games and performances. Uh, more bad than good. We can talk about Jalen Hurts stacks. That's a takeaway. Uh, a, an underwhelming week, another underwhelming week for running backs. Good week for free square running backs, though, especially Zon of a night. We'll talk about Zon of a night. We'll talk about Zon of a night and Jermichael Hastie, the two stars of the waiver wired show. Talk about Devontae Adams and, and how Aaron Rodgers feels about Devontae Adams. Geno Smith and Tyler Lockett. We got to talk about Trevor Lawrence, R.I.P., right? Talk about the tight end landscape. We got to talk about Chig Akwanko or Akwankwo or Akwankwo. Ch- Chig Akwankwo. Chig Akwankwo. We got to talk about the law of the conservation of targets as it relates to quality tight ends. Some of the few elite tight ends in the league. How have those targets been conserved? We'll talk about Jordan Mason vis a vis Terry and Davis Price. We'll talk about Christian Watson, of course. We've got to talk about Christian Watson. Damian Pierce, the anti Christian Watson. We can talk about Cortland Sutton and how disappointing that is. And, uh, you know, the the glimmer of hope that we're getting from Drake London. And Jahan Dotson in this 2022 wide receiver class, especially the first round picks. Oh, baby, coming at you. Takeaway number one, Tony Pollard is everything. Takeaway number two, the uh, revenge game isn't a thing. So I think now we know. I think it was fun to to poke fun at this revenge narrative. I've been doing it for many years. Revenge week, in all caps, on social media. That's sarcasm, everybody. Just for the uninitiated, it's sarcasm, sarcasm sarcasm and this show also brought to you by underdog and you can see my backdrop little little doggy next to nate Liss in the alien spaceship that's underdog that's what a big uh, presence they are here they're they're embedded in the mural and we can't wrap our tony pollard discussion and move on to revenge week without talking about the underdog playoff best ball tournament because when you look at the cowboys It's now the Cowboys versus the Eagles. And and suddenly you look up and you're like, well, you're not so sure. I was sure for weeks and weeks and weeks that it was going to be Eagles in the Super Bowl against some AFC team, probably the Bills, maybe the Chiefs, one of those two probably, maybe now Bengals. We'll see, right? We'll see. But Tony Pollard is a must-have in playoff best ball on underdog. The Eagles get the bye week, but you could argue that the Cowboys are in even better form and they are almost a, a carbon copy of the Eagles. Like the Eagles and the Cowboys are like a Spider-Man meme. It's like, hey, hey, great quarterback play, right? You have, you have big, durable quarterbacks who can tactically scramble, hurt, scrambles more than Prescott, but they're both equally efficient. You've got two great running backs, in two of the most efficient running games, you've got alpha-wide receivers and Lamb and Brown. You've got these uh, productive auxiliary receivers. Now you have two touchdowns for Gallup. You have Devontae Smith. We'll talk about Devontae Smith a little bit later. And so you go down the board, it's like Dalton Schultz, Dallas Goddard. They had similar ADPs. And then both defenses are now playing at a high level. Uh, you know, Ferocious front sevens. The Eagles will get the Cowboys at home in the playoffs, in what is likely to be the NFC Championship game. I'm hoping that's how the schedule and the the playoff bracket aligns itself so that we can get a Cowboys-Eagles-NFC Championship game. But if you expect that to be the case, then you're going to want to pile into these Cowboys in the underdog uh, best ball tournament. Because you, you basically play playoff best ball. And part of the game is to figure out which players will max out their number of games played. So you're going to want some Jamar Chase, for example. It looks like the Bengals could be one of those teams, but they're not going to have a bye. So who's not going to have a bye, but you could easily see making the Super Bowl. Uh, The Bengals did it last year, and they just beat the Chiefs. So there's one, and then the Cowboys. It's like, oh, that's obvious. Well, Tony Pollard, his ADP isn't where it should be yet. Maybe today it will be. So I'll play some playoff best ball on Underdog today. We'll see if Tony Pollard's ADP is where it should be. But so far it hasn't been. Oh, well, Ezekiel Elliott's going to be healthy for the playoffs. Nah, nah, nah. As we've seen, it doesn't matter. So get Pollard on Underdog in every format, whether it's their over-under pickems, whether it's their playoff best ball. Promo code is UNDERWORLD, and you get to double your deposit up to $100. Promo code UNDERWORLD, double your deposit up to $100 on Underdog and this revenge week is certainly no revenge narratives should be factored into how you project players. Okay. It's not a thing. Okay. We had A.J. Brown putting up 32 fantasy points, but it wasn't because of any revenge. He put up 32 fantasy points because he's facing the Titans secondary with no Dallas Goddard. And we'll talk about the law of the conservation of targets as it relates to Dallas Goddard a little bit later. But then we have DJ Chark. DJ Chark. He's had a a good game, 98 yards. But if you're playing on DraftKings, you really wanted the 100, right? I I was DMing with Eric Bimefor, my co-host at the Roto-Grinders StackFest show with Dario Ofstein that we do every Friday. Heartbreaking. I was like, oh, look, Zay Jones week. Just kidding. And we're like, oh, Chark, he's going over 100 almost. Not quite, right? But still, like DJ Chark, he got a measure of revenge against the Jaguars. And that was it. That was it for revenge, because look who else was going for revenge. Uh, Deshaun Watson was QB 28, put up five fantasy points. We have Jeff Wilson and Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. Okay, They put up a combined 3.3 fantasy points. So all the fantasy points went to Tyreek Hill. Tyler Conklin was in a revenge spot against the Vikings. He is a literal Viking, and the Vikings let him go, and then had to go trade for TJ Hawkinson because they had a Viking, and they let that Viking go, then they had to go trade for another Viking. So the two most Viking tight ends in the league are T.J. Hawkinson and Tyler Conklin. They had one, let him go, and then they realized that we don't have a Viking at tight end. We need a Viking, so the Vikings went and got another Viking. Marvin Jones was also in a You forget Marvin Jones was in a revenge spot. It's a it delayed revenge game. It's been It's been years, but playing the Lions, 1.7 fantasy points. All professional athletes are always putting up maximum effort most of the time. Almost all of the time. Therefore, this idea that because they're facing their old team, they're going to somehow put up 110%. Well, just as soon as you say the word 110%, as soon as you say that phrase 110%, you sound like an idiot, right? You sound like a cliche, cliche soaked coach. So don't be that. Don't fall for the revenge. You want to play A.J. Brown and D.J. Chark for all the reasons we laid out on the StackFest show. D.J. Chark, great process play, but uh, most of the fantasy points went to Amon Ross St. Brown, though Chark has been putting up the air yards for two consecutive weeks, and we didn't see any Jamison Williams. So we talked about this at length on the StackFest show, and we, we, we'll we talk about it regularly, Say, hey, we want Ezekiel Elliott active so we can play Pollard at lower ownership. We wanted James Robinson active so we could play Zonovan Knight at lower ownership. We wanted Jameson Williams active to play DJ Chark at lower ownership. That's the that's the that's the game theory that is always going into these picks. So Marvin Jones, 1.7 fantasy points. There was another Jones that was involved in a revenge week, Donovan Peoples Jones. He didn't get the targets. Those went to Cooper, but he was more efficient than Cooper. He was securing the ball downfield on fewer targets, which is what Donovan Peoples Jones does. He was a top 30 receiver this week. Rust is more real than revenge. So that is a takeaway. Rust is more. Re- Deshaun Watson was clearly rusty. I would give him a mulligan, and let's see what he does next week going right back. Just make sure you go right back to Donovan Peoples Jones because rust is more real than revenge. And we're always going back to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is the assumed lead quarterback for DFS tournaments, and you're, you're building DFS portfolios. This week, I argued it should be Burrow on the StackFest show, that Burrow should be your primary play where you should skew your ownership, your portfolio, rostership to Burrow, and then Mahomes and Hurts and a handful of others. Mike White, that didn't work out process-wise. He gave you the attempts. He was prolific, just didn't give you the touchdowns. So Mike White was a great process play at at, uh, a low salary. The touchdowns just did not manifest. Same thing with Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson was a smash. Garrett Wilson put up like 160 plus yards, but no touchdowns. So he was outscored by Christian Watson, who had just a handful of targets, but he's getting all the touchdowns. We'll talk about him in a little bit too. But Jalen Hurt's stacks were killer. He's playing Tennessee. This is the move. Like, Tennessee is going to clog up the running game, and they're going to open things up for the passing game. This is what they do. And Jalen Hurts has once again secured his $50 million. He secured the bag. There's a lot of potential show titles already. Jalen Hurts secured the bag. Tony Pollard is everything. I think Tony Pollard is there. That's got to be it. Tony Pollard is everything. Jalen Hurts, though. I mean, he, he was great for DFS because his passing touchdowns went to the primary receivers in the passing game right if all the burrow touchdowns went to chase and higgins that would have been great but chase didn't didn't get a touchdown and the ones to higgins higgins didn't get the targets and the yards so if higgins is getting you just touchdowns and chase is giving you just targets and yards and they're not matching up burrow can be one of the top scorers in the week but burrow stacks and, and, and burrow DFS plays likely fell flat. Whereas if the touchdowns go and funnel themselves just to Brown and Devonte Smith, well, now, now we have the, the, the optimal play, the clear optimal play for DFS and DFS GPP tournaments in particular hurts every week though. He's a, he's a GPP play. He's a cash play. He's just the play like, the play. And it's, 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 if you went back and you think about the quarterbacks you might have drafted, maybe you drafted Lamar Jackson over Jalen Hurts. There's just, there's a few, uh, Justin Herbert over Jalen Hurts. There's a few of those selections where you, you, you in the back of your mind, I know this happened to me uh, a handful of occasions where I was drafting Lamar Jackson. In the back of my mind, I was like, man, but Hurts is more durable. And we talked about this all offseason that Hurts is, is more similar to Josh Allen, that he's a tank out there. He's 230 pounds. He can take the punishment of rushing quarterback. Lamar Jackson is built more like a wide receiver. That's why they said, oh, is this guy going to switch to wide receiver? Of course not. But that the reason why no coaches were asking Jalen Hurts to move to wide receiver was because he doesn't look anything like a wide receiver. He looks more like a linebacker. But overall, yes, we had the Pollard week. Yes, McCaffrey shaking off this knee irritation. That was great to see. Yeah, the matchup against Miami, you had to think, this is, this is a good spot for McCaffrey, and he delivered. That was great. It was also a great spot for Cam Akers, right? If you even if you went back and looked at the schedule, you're like, oh, man, Rams, Seahawks. I can't wait to play Akers that week. Hey, RB8, 19 fantasy points. Cam Akers, not dead yet. That's another show title. There's another show title. Cam Akers, not dead yet. He's been pretty dead, though. He's pretty dusty. Wasn't that efficient, just got the carries, just was, you know, gave you the 19 fantasy points, got you the touchdown, wasn't active in the passing game. We're not gonna run out to best case scenario. Is this performance gonna bump Cam Akers and Dynasty? You betcha. You betcha this performance matters. Oh, you bet it does. Oh, of course it does. Cliche <laughs> alert! Cliche alert! Cliche alert! Cliche alert! Cliche alert! You bet your bottom dollar. Hit me with a cliche. Can I hit myself with a cliche alert there? That was embarrassing. Bet your bottom. Really, really. And I'm making fun of coaches and their their cliches. Oh my god. Oh, shameful, 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 shame, shame. Podfather, shame, 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 shame. But I mean, only Pollard and McCaffrey put up more than 21 fantasy points this week in PPR leagues. Think about that. Just think think that over. Malik Davis was the RB23. He's a uh, third stringer, RB23, with 8.9 fantasy points. Not good. Not good. Not good for the running back position. However, Samaje Pirine, RB3, right? Where'd, the, where'd those Joe Burrow <laughs> passes go to Samaje Pirine, right? That's, that's the guy, right? It, it, the Burrow-Piran stacks. There were some out there. Right, our our optimizer, our lineup genius, the player profile, our lineup genius, part of our DFS Dominator package. It was generating some Burrow Pirine stacks. Oh baby, oh baby, yep. And uh, yeah, it, the funny thing is, Pirine didn't even actually score a touchdown. You think he did, but no, he was you know a, a top running back but yet didn't score a touchdown. He did it with six catches for 49 yards. are like, hey, that's where the touchdowns went. No, the touchdown went to Chris Evans. <laughs> the touchdown went to Chris Evans. I am like, I know a running back scored a touchdown for Cincinnati, but actually it was not Samaj Piran. It was absolutely Chris Evans. Chris Evans is explosive. Chris Evans is interesting. I know that Chris Evans had no carries. He had one touch for a touchdown. I'm a truther for Chris Evans. I have him on a lot of taxi squads in Dynasty and will continue to. He's a better player than Travion Williams. Notice Travion Williams, no catches, but uh, Chris Evans did. And Anytime they try to target, it's just, he caught the bat. Just wait. Just wait. Be patient. Be patient with Chris Evans. He has size, he has explosiveness, and he has passing game skills. So we like Chris. He is the running back version of Donovan Peoples-Jones. So keep stashing Chris Evans and Dynasty. That wasn't even on my show sheet. That's not even a takeaway. That's just a a bonus piece of truth or advice. But P Ryan was RB3 without scoring a touchdown. That tells you how the running back position did this week. Zonovan Knight, top 10 running back, RB10. James Cook, RB12. Isaiah Pacheco, RB14. So we had some rookie running backs getting in there with top 15 finishes. Guys you could get off the waiver wire until recently. And Zanovan Knight was the star of our waiver wired program. You're welcome. And uh, what does Aaron Rodgers think when he looks at what's going on in Las Vegas? I mean, he's pulling up his little box score app, right? He's looking at at Devontae Adams. And what do you what do you think he's thinking? Right? Because I know things are going well. They they won a game, right? And Christian Watson's playing at a high level. They're like, oh, we're gonna replace him with Christian Watson. Uh, slow down. Right. Slow down. Christian Watson's been good, but Lazard has actually been more efficient, commanding more targets. He just hasn't been getting all the random touchdowns that one could possibly want. Right. Christian Watson has more touchdowns in the last few weeks than DJ Moore has the last few seasons. It's crazy. It's crazy. So if I if I so I am Aaron Rodgers, right? I'm looking at my box scores. I'm like, I wonder how the Raiders did. I wonder how my old my old Bo do. See how I bet he was I, 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 I bet he was productive. I bet he was. If I had to guess. He's a good player. I bet he was productive. Let's see. I wonder what uh Devontae Adams is. Holy shit. Mac Hollins also a great process play. Nine targets. Keep going back to Mac Hollins. Keep going back to Matt Collins. Devontae Adams, 8-for-12, 177-2. This is what he does. He puts up big plays, big-time touchdowns in big spots, and Vegas was right. This is one of those dangerous lines. We talked about this on the Roster Watch show. Alex brought on a betting expert, and they talked about how the total came down two points, and the line shifted. It was... Chargers minus two and a half, and it shifted to Raiders minus two and a half. And you think about that's that's a five point shift. I don't know where it was at the beginning of the week. It might have been more than that. It might have been a six or seven point shift. But as the week went on, Vegas sees where the smart money is going, right? Even if the public is on a particular line, 85%, the books know where the smart money is. They treat all their betters very differently, and then they parse the data accordingly, And they're looking at the smart bettors going, oh, my God. That's why these line movements matter. That's why these line movements are interesting. When you see a a line movement that big, you had better lean toward where the books are going with this. So I was like, oh, yeah, Chargers going to get a lead in this game. Then I was like, "Uh, or not, or not. It's a Raiders division game at home. Vegas has completely changed their mind about it. Jacobs did his thing, right? Jacobs gave you the the 22, 23 fantasy points that you wanted. He was a monster on the ground, 26 carries. But Adams also, I mean, this is so great. I mean, this was the perfect outcome. If there's going to be three touchdowns scored, one to Jacobs, two to Adams is amazing. I would prefer two to Adams, one to Hollins, right? But two to Adams, one to Jacobs, also fine, also good. I'm always surprised by, I have some Jacobs in in some Dynasty Leagues that I always forget. I'm like, why is this team doing so well? I don't even like this team that much. Oh, that's right! Josh Jacobs is on that team. Amazing. Just a gross player, right? Oh, he's so gross. He's so gross. Just a gross pick in the sixth round. Gross, right? But he's going to get the touches. Like, all the reasons you love Najee Harris, and Najee Harris was Josh Jacobs, After Josh Jacobs, or another way, Josh Jacobs was Najee Harris before Najee Harris. I mean, same draft capital, same skill set, same college, and yet you're going to draft Harris at the end of the first round for all the same reasons that you would want Josh Jacobs, but Josh Jacobs falls to the sixth round because he's been in the league a few years and he's never really broken out past 15 fantasy points per game, so we're tired of him, he's boring. In that round, I wasn't necessarily jumping up and down for Josh Jacobs, but a round or two later, the wide receiver version of Josh Jacobs, Tyler Lockett. Absolutely jumping up and down for Tyler Lockett. Now we see Geno Smith was the QB3 this past week. Tyler Lockett, the, you know, eighth round pick. It was it was Cooper and Lockett. Remember how many times I went Cooper Lockett the FFWC? Nine catches, 128, and a touchdown. Oh! So boring! Ah, oh, boring. Except when you actually look at the player, he's not boring at all. He's electric. It's just that he's been around a while, right? And, and, and he wasn't as productive last year as he was the year before. Maybe because his quarterback imploded on him. And it wasn't just the finger that was holding Russell Wilson back, as we've now learned that Russell Wilson has other issues beyond... The, the finger injury that he suffered last year. That was it. Tyler Lockett, a 100-yard catch wide receiver. He's had a 100-reception season. He has it on his resume. He's still in his prime. Draft him based on that and that alone. And that was good process. And we talked about it on the StackFest show, just marveling. This was the week where I was marveling. I was like, I can't believe it. Most weeks I understand where the chalk is going. I get it. But Jaguars chalk? No, don't get it. Don't get it. Not when we have Chiefs Bengals. Not when we have Chargers Raiders. You can't give me Jaguars chalk. I'm going to spit it out. I'm going to... It's bad chalk. Bad chalk. The worst chalk was Zay Jones. Well, it was... It was. I, I didn't know. I was like, I'm going to fully fade Travis Etienne and fully fade Zay Jones. Those are the worst chalk, uh, you know, you could possibly imagine. We talked about the Travis Etienne dilemma that he injured his foot. And the Lions are a better defense than most people initially believe until you dig into the numbers. Like, oh, the Lions aren't that bad of a defense. But like, for example, Cleveland Browns, right, are have going into this game against the Texans were a, a a lesser run defense than the Lions. And Travis Etienne hurt his foot, and he just missed a season, a full season with a, with an injured foot. So, no, I don't believe they're going to feed Travis Etienne. And Travis Etienne has never caught more than three passes in his entire NFL career. So, why don't we wait until he does that and demonstrates health before we make him the chalk of the week? How about that? How about we go and look at Zay Jones' career and not point chase last week's aberrant Zay Jones performance? How about that? Crazy, I know. Crazy. Crazy. As your primary stacking quarterback, I'm going to go Mahomes, Burrow, Hurts over Trevor Lawrence. No, no, no. You could play some Trevor Lawrence stacks with Christian Kirk. That's what we recommended. But, like, the lowest possible priority. I wanted to play more Mike White than Trevor Lawrence. It was such a trap. Now, the game hit. It's over anyway because the Lions' offense is humming. Amon Ross St. Brown is healthy. He's a top Dynasty wide receiver. We talked about it last week. We're like, how aggressively should we be bumping up Amon Ross St. Brown? And we have a newsletter. So you can go to the player profile or newsletter, and you can sign up for our newsletter. And we have the top 10 Dynasty movers, 10 moving up, 10 moving down. So it's really the top 20. So the top 10 up, top 10 down. And if you look, Lamar Jackson was already coming down before he he left the game. And we were aggressively super aggressively moving up Amon Ross St. Brown at whose expense? Do You remember who whose expense it was talking to Jack Cavanaugh last week, Michael Pittman's expense. And there we have, Oh, Alec Pierce outproducing Michael Pittman. It's very sad. It's very sad. Uh, we just happen to be early moving down Michael Pittman. It wasn't, it wasn't a lock that he wasn't going to be productive, but the game environments he's been finding himself in the, target volume, the efficiency. You couldn't have him ahead of Amon Ross St. Brown. You couldn't have him ahead of Garrett Wilson. No way. No way. Now we see why. Bad week for tight end. Bad week for running back. Worst week for tight end. Only five tight ends eclipsed 10 fantasy points. There's a takeaway for you. But the tight end six, Chig Okwankwo, baby. He is so much better than Austin Hooper, and it's maddening that it takes this long, right? Jelani Woods is the best tight end by leaps and bounds in Indianapolis. And yet it takes these coaches so long to come to Jesus because they miss a block in practice like in August. And they have to pay the price for months. A Quonquo, same thing. Finally, finally, week 13, they unlock him. 70% snap share. right? But 16 of those snaps were as a receiver, either in the slot or out wide. He also had multiple snaps in the backfield, so he's becoming Johnu Smith in a good way. In a good way, Johnu Smith had some productive day. We won thousands of dollars with Johnu Smith. We went look back. We had two top ten millimaker finishes a few years back, and we went back and looked at those lineups on Twitter. And uh, Johnu Smith went nuclear in one of those games. We had Johnu. It was great. Oh man. Oh man. 19% target share for a Kwankwu. Put up four for 68. He's the type of tight end that we covet. Athleticism rules at the tight end position. That's why we were never that bullish on Austin Hooper. We were never that bullish on Tyler Higbee. These are the types of tight ends that we routinely fade because they just don't have the athleticism to endure. They could have a, a year where they just, are in an incredible target vacuum situation, right? Tight ends can find themselves in target vacuums on pass-first offenses. Austin Hooper did in Atlanta. But you need to identify when you're seeing it and fade those tight ends, trade them in dynasty. Look at how the law of the conservation of targets works in reverse at tight end. That's what's even more interesting. That's another takeaway. Hawkinson gets traded. Dallas Goddard goes down. Darren Waller goes down. Look at the alpha receivers on those teams. You have A.J. Brown, top three. Devontae Adams, top three. Amon Ross St. Brown, top three. So you had Adams with 38 points, St. Brown with 35 points, and A.J. Brown, two Browns, 32 points. What do they all have in common? The top three wide receivers this week, what do they all have in common? They have lost top six tight ends. So if you look at the top six tight ends in ADP in fantasy football, Waller, Hawkinson, and Goddard were typically in that group, at least top eight. And when those tight ends are pulled out of those passing games, the targets must go somewhere. They go to Brown. More targets go to Devontae Smith. More targets go to Quez Watkins, even. Quez Watkins was a guy I've been playing as a punt play wide receiver in DFS. That was good process. He was productive this week. And... In these deep leagues where you're starting five receivers and a flex, plug in Quez Watkins, baby. Cody Carpentier special. But beyond the alpha, it's really the beta receivers that benefit most. Look at Devontae Smith. Look at his recent target shares. 39%, 36%, 21%. Right, Averaging a 30% target share the last three weeks as opposed to a 22% target share when Goddard was playing. That is the best Example of the law of the conservation of targets in action that I could possibly demonstrate for you all. Jordan Mason. Jordan Mason's interesting. 10 plus yards per carry. This is an efficient running game. And I didn't see Terry and Davis Price at all. So preseason matters. So when you're hearing from beat reporters a drumbeat that player X is outperforming player Y in camp and that coaches love player X. And, you know, then you start to see game day inactive for player Y. What's going on? This is how depth charts shift. And Jordan Mason has just overcome Tyrion Davis Price. He's totally supplanted him. Tyrion Davis Price is Trey Sermon. Two consecutive years, John Lynch has lit a draft pick on fire on a running back in the third round who was not particularly fast. Like the whole case for Tyrion Davis Price is he's in the right system and he's going to be tethered to a mobile quarterback. That was the the case during the summer, Trey Lance. And that the odds that he's Trey Sermon, just consecutive years, they would blow that pick. Hard to believe. And Elijah Mitchell was to... Trey Sermon, what now Jordan Mason is to Tyrion Davis-Price. It's not like Tyrion Davis-Price was dominant in college. It's not like he was that efficient in college. It's not like he's explosive. When Zonovan Knight is just a better player than Tyrion Davis-Price, you have to wonder, right? Tyrion Davis-Price, he did run the four four eight. Okay, he did. He put up a nice speed score. He did. But look at the agility score, 1165. 4.8 yards per carry and only a 20% dominator rating. For Tyrion Davis-Price. He's Knight, of a night, 90th percentile agility score, undrafted. Jordan Mason, undrafted. Both better than Tyrion Davis-Price. At least Tyrion Davis-Price is fast. Like, he's not fast in a game, but at least he has a fast 40 time. Trey Sermon had nothing going for him. Like, that was the reason why I was a little more interested in Tyrion Davis-Price. Was, A, that fantasy gamers learned their lesson... And they, did, they weren't drafting Tyrion Davis-Price in the eighth round like Trey Sermon the year prior. Tyrion Davis-Price was buried in the double-digit rounds. That made him more attractive as a one of your many late-round running backs. But also that he had the speed. But even with the speed that Trey Sermon lacked and even with the value in the offseason that Trey Sermon lacked, he's Trey Sermon. I mean, <laughs> it's just crazy. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. I really... I uh, I'm surprised. I am. I'm surprised just based on probabilities like human beings are bad at probability. We think that if you're at a roulette table and it, it comes up 21, right? I'm mixing roulette and I get it. I'm mixing roulette and blackjack. It's on purpose. It can't be 21 again. It can't be 20. I love doing that. I love that I do that on purpose just to prove to the universe that I understand probability theory. I see a 21 or I see a 20, I see even 13. I'll put I'll put my chips on 13 for the next spin. Just as a just as a fuck you to probability theory. Just like, you know what? I get you. I know what's going on here, right? And then and then you show off your human side by saying, "Well, there's just no way that they could bust on a third round running back again. This, you know, I'll give Tyrion Davis price more benefit of the doubt." Oh, that's not how probabilities work. Next year, whoever the 49ers draft could easily bust. <laughs> now we have evidence that John Lynch is really bad at drafting running backs, especially in the third round. So now we could say, is a high likelihood that guy does bust. Damian Pierce, fourth round. That would have been a great pick. Imagine that. Like, all right, you want a between the tackles grinder, you want toughness. Right, you want a guy you can trust in the red zone. Tyrion Davis Price. When you could have had Damian Pierce, and that's why you go to the Senior Bowl. If you go to the Senior Bowl, it's like it's got to be Pierce. I was talking to Alex Dunlap. He's like, "Oh man, it's 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 Damian Pierce all day." Oh, and he was like indignant, like, "Oh God, like what? Like that that, that, that the 49ers would draft Tyrion Davis Price over Damian Pierce was so offensive to Alex." And I just booked my ticket to go to the Senior Bowl. So me, Alex, Trash Man, Cody Carpentier. Cody's gonna pick me up at the airport. We're gonna. It's gonna have a week in Mobile. I'm hoping the weather is is better than it was last year. Last time I went was 2020. I got to watch Chase Claypool, Michael Pittman, not to mention Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, Jamichael Hasty, Antonio Gibson. It was wonderful. It was a wow. Just thinking back, I'm like, this is this is incredible. This is a, such an incredible class. I got to meet Brandon Ayuk. He didn't play in that game, but he, he was there. He was around. It's cool, man. I can't wait. I'm so excited to go, but that's why you go. You go, we go. We send Cody Carpenter, and now this year myself, so we can know with certainty, hey, Pierce better than Price, but... Damian Pierce is in a dreadful situation. This was the smash spot. This was the Browns. This was it. And he puts up 12 and a half fantasy points because his quarterback is Kyle Allen. It's a problem, right? It's a problem. This was a home game against the Browns. I, 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 I had this conversation on the Roster Watch show on SiriusXM. I said, Alex, I'm not bullish on Damian Pierce this week. He's like, not against the Browns, a home game. I'm like... They have one of the worst interior offensive lines, which is what he needs. And they have the worst quarterback under center, which is a problem. So how are they going to get him in scoring position? Like he's not a big pass catcher. So if he's not going to catch a lot of passes and pull that ripcord, he's got to get touchdowns. How are you going to score touchdowns with Kyle Allen? How? How are you going to do it? Okay. And then he didn't. And he puts up 12 and a half fantasy points. This is the problem. His ceiling is 18 and a half fantasy points where he has that game plus a You know, some garbage time touchdown, but he's not a 20 fantasy points per game running back. Zonovan Knight is a higher ceiling week to week because he's on the Jets. The Jets have a potent offense. The Jets have Garrett Wilson. The Jets have Mike White, who's a hell of a lot better than Kyle Allen, looking even better than uh, Davis Mills, by the way. Of course, earlier this season, I was like, oh, uh, Mike White, definitely better than Davis Mills. Things change. Things change. It's just hard to invest assets in Damian Pierce in Dynasty knowing that they could go out and draft a running back next year. Why wouldn't they? They have picks. They have extra picks. You could see them drafting a running back. Why? They need one. I mean, they're looking at the roster going, okay, Rex Burkhead's probably going to retire. We have one running back on the roster at that point that anyone gives a damn about that has any ability whatsoever. We need to go bolster the running game with a running back to complement Damian Pierce. Suddenly, he goes from getting 70% of the touches to 55% of the touches. If they get one of these electric satellite backs from the draft, or, or, or some super versatile back, it could easily happen. Or just it takes that long for the offense to actually turn around. So maybe they draft a rookie quarterback next year. He struggles. Now you're two years into a rookie contract, and you're still not getting anything from Damian Pierce. He came out as a senior, so he wasn't one of these young rookie running backs like Kenneth Walker or Brees Hall. The thread really starts to uncoil, and pieces of your shirt start to fall off. (laughs) Right? As you just keep pulling on that thread, and it's like, wait a second, when is this guy actually going to be good for Dynasty? And we have to go through multiple drafts now and we have to go through multiple free agent periods or at any point, the Texans could bring in that 45% opportunity share running back. It's just, it's a very scary proposition. It's anxiety ridden proposition to have Damian Pierce on your roster. I've traded him where I've had him. Just letting you know, I'm letting you know because you can get a first rounder for him. I'm like, listen, I got a bird in the hand here. (laughs) <laughs> this is a a day three pick On one of the worst teams in the league I'll take the first rounder <laughs> Thank you very much Cha-ching On the other side You have Christian Watson Right now Christian Watson He's been great He's been great He's been doing what we wanted Cortland Sutton to do Right Christian Watson's TD rate Is Climbing And you say How is that possible He had a 27% TD rate Coming into this week Well he put up a Uh T.D. (laughs) Reign. Like, it's amazing. Like, oh, that's a rushing touchdown. You can't count that. Yeah, I'm counting that. Absolutely, I'm counting that. The guy had three catches and two touchdowns. This is all he does. He is running so pure, so pure. So he's another player that I would absolutely put on the block right now. Right now. He is not a first-rounder. He was a senior Remember Chase Claypool? Like, this is echoes of Chase Claypool. He was essentially graded like Chase Claypool at the Senior Bowl. He was an underwhelming producer, especially in his first three years in college. Gets drafted in the second round and has a series of multi-touchdown games paired with explosive athleticism. Is this ringing a bell for anybody, the Chase Claypool experience? It's not anybody out there just ringing a bell? Rushing touchdowns, random rushing touchdowns fueling his fantasy production. I mean, it's eerie. It's eerie. So just on principle, these types of players go on the block for me in Dynasty. I'm I'm just saying, I'm just saying, right? And I'm not trading for Cortland Sutton. That's not a buy low, right? Christian Watson is a sell high. Damian Pierce is a sell low. Cortland Sutton is a sell low. And in Cortland Sutton we see the golden triumvirate of a bust. Everything you want in a bust is there in Cortland Sutton. All the external forces and internal forces that could be at play to create a bust situation are present with Cortland Sutton. We have bad quarterback play. So quarterback play outside the top 20. We have inefficiency. He has a negative 7.3 production premium, which is outside the top 70 wide receivers. And production premium on com, it looks at a player's per target output against league average for every down and distance where they've received a target, right? So it if you're getting a lot of red zone looks and that's fueling your fantasy point production, this factors that out because it compares any given red zone look you have to all the red zone looks of all the receivers around the league. Cortland Sutton, negative 7.3 outside the top 70. And a player with his stature and his athleticism should always have a positive production premium. Think about what you can do with Cortland Sutton in the red zone versus other receivers. He's at such a huge physical advantage to have a negative production premium. It's so shameful. Then you add the target competition of getting Jerry Judy back, and his targets go down to close to zero. His production evaporates. He's a nothing. He's a, And now he's passing the AJPEX. So he's passing the AJPEX after two consecutive disappointing seasons. We rationalized last year away because it was bad quarterback play plus the ACL recovery. Give him one more year. Give him a better quarterback. Give him an upgrade. See what he can do. Loser game show sound. Mm. That was a bad pick. I'll say it. That was a bad pick. Cortland Sutton, bad pick. Jerry Judy, bad pick. Everyone who drafted anyone on Denver, because you weren't drafting Greg Dulcich. He's the only player that's doing a goddamn thing. Every player has been a catastrophic bust for one reason or another. Even Javante Williams before the injury was underperforming. I mean, I am guilty. I drafted Cortland Sutton. I drafted Melvin Gordon. I have a bunch of Javante Williams in Dynasty. Those teams are toast. I also have a bunch of Drake London. I've talked about this that I just strangely the way that the first round picks lined up for me, I ended up with a lot of Drake London, a lot of Chris Olave. London has been terrifying because I was worried that it was one of the ultimate fake outs that his week two 12 target game where he had that big 25 point performance that that was the ultimate fake out. It happened early, it set the tone. it really set his perception for many weeks. Like, oh, he's getting seven targets. He's getting seven targets again. He just needs to get on a offense that opens up and is not so run heavy. He needs to get away from Marcus Mariota. As soon as that happens, we're going to see that week two all over again. And then weeks go by. Four targets, one target, five targets. Like, oh, he's getting such a huge target share. Yeah, but the offense is low volume. What good is a target share and an air yard share if they never throw? When they do throw, it's not accurate. It's Marcus fucking Mariota. But then London perseveres and it gives you that 12 target game that was huge that was so huge so validating that okay week two wasn't this extreme anomaly because before that he capped out at seven targets in a game it was seven seven six one two five and then a 12 in there and then that was it and you're like oh no is this is this guy not actually ever gonna fire is that was this a the ultimate week two Mirage listen I don't care how accurate they were I care that he was commanding the targets, that the offense was running through him. Like Jahan Dotson, commanding the targets over Curtis Samuel. That was huge. 16-plus fantasy points. Huge. I talked about Garrett Wilson, 162 fantasy points. You had the the touchdown for Traylon Burks in a low-volume offense. These alpha receivers trapped in these low-volume offenses. You want to see touchdowns. You want to see targets. You're getting that. We may have one of the great wide receiver classes of all time. Because as of this moment, the entire 2022 wide receiver class is either breaking out or has already broken out. We could have a bust-free 2022 wide receiver class. When you look at all the first-round picks, you look at Christian Watson exceeding all expectations, going full clay George Pickens, we know, Sky Moore getting better and better and better every week, incrementally, commanding more targets role growing on one of the best offenses. I'm really excited for this 22. 20, I'm super excited for this 2022 class moving forward. And uh, it's, uh, it's just been it's a pleasure to watch. And if you were like me, and and you went all in on the wide receivers in this last draft class, you're very happy. That's it. That's all I got. Alright, this is happening. This is great. Oh, we're live. We're live. Oh, this is happening. Oh, this feels good. What good is a target share and an air yard share if they never throw when they do throw? It's not accurate. It's Marcus fucking Mariota. Malik Davis was the RB23. He's a uh, third stringer. RB23 with 8.9 fantasy points. Not good. Why'd my old bow do? See how. I bet he was. I I, I, I bet he was productive. I bet he was. If I had to guess, he's a good player. I bet he was productive. Let's see. I wonder what Devontae Adams is. Holy shit! Hey, you've made it this far. That means you're a loyal listener and you appreciate this show. And knowing that, I would politely ask you to visit RivalFantasy.com. They're a new sponsor. They're very generous, helping to fund a lot of the programming we're doing in 2023. They have a challenges contest where you can take one side or the other of a particular prop. This past weekend, someone said, hey, I think Lamar Jackson's going to outscore Joe Burrow. And I was flipping through the user challenges. I saw that and I was like, I'm taking the Burrow side, baby. Just go there, deposit $20, use promo code PLAYER, and they'll refund up to $50 of any losses you might have on the platform. It means a lot to us. They're helping us build the next-generation playerprofiler.com and build out this podcast network. So check them out, rivalfantasy.com. Promo code is PLAYER. Just dabble $10, $20 with promo code PLAYER.